Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Slaughter Podcast will be discussing topics that some listeners may find disturbing. If you're still listening and you can't say anything nice, then don't say anything at all. Emma's the dick one. Apparently. <laughs> Would you just stop talking? <laughs> I'll try. <laughs> I, apparently that's how to improve this podcast. Uh, could Emma just shut up for a moment? Can just everyone stop talking? Could Emma just shut up and let Lucy talk? What I'd love is 40 minutes of complete silence. <laughs> so today I'll be doing a... Good God. This guy, I was really interested in researching. No one's heard of him. I haven't heard of him. No one's heard of him. He killed a lot of people. He's British. How does no one know him? I I'd briefly seen his, his name Dinsdale. on the list. Like he's killed a lot of people. Peter Dinsdale. So a lot of this comes from a book that is called Child Killers and the People That They Killed. It needs work, is what I'm gonna say. So this podcast called People Done Murders and I wrote about it. Some people killed people. Even some people killed people is better than Child murders and the people that killed them. <laughs> no, the people that they killed. So, he was born on July 31st, 1960. Same as Harry Potter. What, July 31st? Yep. Goodness. To Dorian Dinsdale. And he was born with a withered right hand. <gasps> he and is a wizard. Withered right leg. Wait, hand and leg? Hand and leg. He was born to a sex worker and his father was unknown. His mother went straight back to sex work after he was uh, born within weeks of his birth. Um, and, I mean, to be fair, that was her income. Yeah. You don't get any maternity pay for sex work. Nope, they're not interested. No one's, no one's paying your wages when you're not working. So she went straight back to work and then a year later she also had another child called Sharon and both children were taken into care at a very young age. So around uh, three years old, I'm going to call him Dinsdale because... He was, I mean, he's a child throughout a lot of this story, so I was toying with calling him Peter, but I do feel like it's a little bit too personal for me to be calling him Peter. So I'm going to go with Dinsdale. So he went into his first orphanage, age three, and he was very undernourished when he went into care. Um, He was very dirty, he was very small, he obviously hadn't been taken care of properly. Um, He hadn't met his developmental milestones, which is a social work talk for... He was low IQ. He was not average. Um, about a year in the care after he went into care, they tried to put him back with Doreen and return him to her, 
but it just didn't work. She would hide him when she had clients come round. You she, would, though, wouldn't you? She would. She would hide her, what she called crippled kid, as she referred to him, when she had clients. Um, and she still went out at night. She left him alone at home in the, in the house. And he would try and follow her out, even though he was three, four years old, and start wandering around the streets at night. And oh, he was no. half starved. He was probably really hungry, left alone all day. She went out at night. So within weeks, they took him back to the orphanage. They were yeah. like, this is not good enough. They tried again when he was six as well, but again, it didn't work. The same thing happened. It was just not a good place for her to be in. Why do they, like, how many times do you have to try before you're like, she really, really honestly doesn't want him? Probably about two more, if I'm honest. So he attended a school for what they called, in those days, handicapped children. And he was distinctly aware of the fact that even though he was at a school with a lot of people who had maybe additional needs and similar needs to him, that they, a lot of the time, would go home to a family and that he was in an orphanage, and it was awfully different. And they had loving families. I mean, obviously Christmas was really different. I feel like that's a tagline. Orphanage, awfully different. (laughs) Yeah. But also, the orphanages at this time were quite kind of... The onus wasn't on building up a relationship with the kids. It was almost quite sterile, and like, we will care for your basic needs, but there's not a lot of love going on. So he was really quite alone and solitary a lot of the time and wasn't really cared for properly. Because you can be emotionally neglected. Yeah, of course. That's definitely a thing. And also, to make things worse, he was being sexually abused by the older children in the orphanage. Brilliant. So he's in a horrific situation. I mean, I don't know if Savile was popping around, but... That's the icing on the fucking cake. Yeah, and it's it's really common for disabled children or children in care to suffer abuse. I mean, they are two demographics of the population that are massively abused um, because they're so vulnerable. And people who might take advantage of that are the kind of people who would be drawn to those environments or already be in those environments. And so... I mean, he just must have had it's the like most... a breeding ground. Yeah, he, he must have had an awful upbringing. I mean, if you have you heard of Jeannie, the case of mm. the young girl, she was um, she was a young girl who was basically strapped to a potty chair her whole life until she was about I think it was about thirteen, and she was found that she'd had no socialisation. She'd been fed like they just left food in the room and then left her. Um, her mother had had no interaction with her her father used to beat her and her siblings hadn't talked to her she hadn't learned to talk or anything and she just never recovered and that's extreme privation but almost i guess um he was getting a version of this and that he didn't have any emotional input any no attention and also um bowlby the psychologist uh says you know if you don't get maternal love um, and you get what he calls privation, like you don't have, you're starved of that. You're going to have emotional difficulties. You're going to have intellectual difficulties, and you're just never going to recover. Yeah. He doesn't know how to show a healthy relationship. He doesn't no. know what he doesn't know what a good friend does. He doesn't know what to do if he loves someone. You, we we do see that with children that come to the school who have been in really bad home situations, and. Uh, often a reaction to getting close to an adult or is to is to lash out because 
not from anger, just because sometimes they just don't know how to react to yeah. an adult. They just think, this is how we play, this is how we talk, this yeah. is how we do... And that just happens sometimes. Absolutely. I've got I've worked with students who do not know how to have an appropriate conversation with an adult because they don't... No one talks to them. And they talk to their peers, but they don't talk to adults. And therefore, they talk to me like they talk to their peers because that's the kind of conversation they're having with anyone. Mm. And it's sad. It's really sad. So, I mean, Dinsdale is someone who I do feel sorry for but again like I mean they were talking about this on the Facebook group and I find it really interesting because I did ask do you ever have empathy for it makes sense now why you asked this yeah because you can't there's no way you can research this part of the story and not feel like he's had a raw deal he's been ruined a little bit what is he supposed to do he's he doesn't know what love is basically so he was also diagnosed as epileptic as well. And he started to take medication for that. Um, and due to his physical disabilities, people often treated him worse as well because he was very... Um, like, he had a, an arm that he would end up almost, like, tucked up over himself. Right. And he was limping. And I think people would just bel- just assume that he had learning difficulties because he looked quite disabled. And then they just treat him like he was stupid. And... He was intellectually below his other peers, but he he was also treated like he was, like, really stupid. And so he just kind of closed up. And he basically, he closed off to the world. He was like, I can't trust anyone. Everyone I know is abusing me or hates me. My mother doesn't even want me. The people that she sees, I don't know what they did to him, but, you know... He's in an awful environment wherever he is. So he just closed off. He was like, no one's trustworthy. I'm on my own here. Age nine, Dinsdale developed an interest in fire. And he became pretty obsessed with this interest. A bit like me with veganism at the moment. Like, he was... He was deep in there. He was militant about fire. <laughs> he was militant about fire. I like fire. You should like fire. You're not doing that fire correctly. <laughs> So it was probably more of an obsession than an interest. And he started pretty big. So age nine... Started with bonfires and worked his way down. Worse than that. Age nine, he lit a fire in a shopping centre and he caused £17,000 of damage. This is 1967. So that was an awful lot of He basically raised it to the ground. Yeah. Um, he He lit the fire... He watched for a while and then he ran off. No one suspected him of the crime. He was very secretive. And I think it's really quite amazing that at nine he did that and he didn't go around bragging to his mates because kids cannot keep a secret. Mm-hmm. Well, he doesn't have any friends. Yeah. But he didn't even do it as an attention thing. He... Yeah, he wasn't part of a gang with older children. He wasn't doing it to fit in. I would imagine that, that if you're really marginalised... You do that kind of big gesture to fit in with yeah. other people. He, was he wasn't silent. seeking approval. He did not say anything. No approval, to no anyone. validation. Pure. That we, was for are, we, are we thinking sadism or? Um, I think anger. Just yeah. anger at the world. Um, so he continued to light bonfires and he burnt a lot of things and he had a lot of dreams about fires. Now, obviously, a lot of this information as we go through is from him 
after his arrest telling people what he remembered. Mm-hmm. So that's where this is a lot this has come from. So age eleven, um, he began to visit his mother at weekends. So they were trying to integrate him back at home. They thought maybe she could cope. She'd married a man, um, and he was obviously in the house and they'd moved in together and they'd moved to Hull as well. But they were, sometimes they were in Manchester, sometimes they were in Hull, and then eventually they transitioned straight into Hull. And uh, he got on okay with his stepdad. He was all right. Like, he didn't have awful things to say about him. But they would party, and he would go back. He was 11. He'd go back for the weekend. They'd be out Saturday night. Right. Like, they were going out no matter what. Um, and they would drink a lot of beer, and they'd leave the beer cans at the house. They'd go out, and he would take sips out of the beer cans. And of course did, you would. Yeah. So it did result in him as an adult being able to drink a lot without getting drunk. She didn't spend a lot of quality time with him. She wasn't really interested. He was there, but he wasn't with her. Yeah. Uh, he would wander around the house. He'd wander around the streets. He didn't have, like, a... He didn't have Wi-Fi. It's the 60s. He didn't have a smartphone. I feel like if he did, he probably would have just sat in watching YouTube. But these days, he had nothing to do. Once, you, once you've sipped a few beer cans as well, you start getting that, shall we go out? Shall we? <laughs> Should we just go to town? Yeah, like how many out. times have we just been like, out. we're going to have a quiet drink at home, and then out. one and a half drinks in, been like, shall we go out though? Just shall we? Do you not even think that they try that? You know, as an interrogation technique. Give have they drink. ever just got them drunk? Yeah, <laughs> open all... bar, open bar. They would talk for. That's all it would take with me. Strap me to a chair and get me pissed, and Sweet I'll what anything you want to know. So, nineteen seventy-three, age twelve. Dinsdale moved in with his mother full time and she had lived she lived in Hull now. Um he joined a new school and one night he went for a walk and he visited the home of a six year old boy who was at his school. So obviously it's quite a mixed school because he's twelve. Yeah. Um but I guess because it's for people with additional needs, they just kind of went everyone's in together. And this child had quite severe disabilities as well. Dinsdale climbed in the window and he lit a fire in the downstairs room. Just, I thought he'd gone round to play. No. So the fire spread through the house. The parents woke up and they desperately tried to save the children from the fire. Now everyone escaped apart from the young boy with disabilities and he died. The firefighters had tried desperately to save him. But no one suspected Dinsdale, but no one suspected Well, because he's Arthur. just a random kid at the school, like... He's a random kid, and he's quiet, really quiet. He's not... Like, he's naughty, but he's not, like... Like an elected Bragging. Mate. And also, he's got a withered arm, a withered leg. Everyone just assumes he's, like, this disabled kid. But no one even suspected Arson. <gasps> he's like Kaiser Soze. He's, like, the perfect guy. A little bit. Just hobble around and no one cares. So... At school, he still received a lot of abuse from older boys, and they were targeting him for sexual abuse. He was an easy target. Why for sexual abuse? Again, like you think, oh, once you're unlucky, like you're in a school where there's a bit of a culture of sexual abuse, and I'm sorry, but you're the target. Now he's moved to a new school, and they still are going after him. Pretty much. And he... But he... I mean, he was 12 now, and he... He also began doing the same to younger boys as well. So it's almost like... 
the How cycle is it of even abuse. Happening? Like why in a special school as well? There should why are they not watching them? Well, maybe if it wasn't happening, then maybe we wouldn't be telling this story. Maybe that is the the extremity of this is what's made it a thing, like made him so awful. It must have been endemic. I can't believe that there's that he was so unlucky that he happened to just be constantly sexually abused in school. Like it must have been endemic. But we know that orphanages, children in care, they're far more likely to get abused. I suppose there weren't as many regulations at the time. And yeah. So, 12th of October 1973, Dimsdale lit another fire. This time... I just feel like I can't feel bad... Like, I can't hate him. You can't. You can't, because he's... He's been... He's sucked over the whole time. And it's also, like... He's lighting fires, and it's awful. But it's not like... It seems like he's crying out for help. It's like he's going in and stabbing people. Like, there's something quite detached about it. It's something he can control as well. I think we better tell a joke pretty quick, because, like, this is going down a sad road. I think we feel bad for this one more than the others. Um, it's because so, he's such a child still, though. He's still a kid. He's so young. So a 72-year-old man lived locally to Dinsdale. Uh, again, he crept in the window, and he lit a fire, and then he ran, and the man died in his home. Okay, I don't feel... So he did a lot of his murders as a child, so is that... A lot of his murders as a child. So, just two weeks later, Dinsdale was caught sneaking into a pigeon loft. And the owner basically came out, she started mouthing off saying, get out of my pigeon loft, you're a brackhead, on your bike, jog on. All the things. So, he held a grudge and he said to her, I'm going to kill you for this. He went back a few days later, he strangled all the pigeons... All of them? All of the pigeons. Okay, I could maybe strangle one pigeon. Two, on the second pigeon I was strangling, I'd be like, yeah, this isn't for me anymore. This is a lot of effort. How many pigeons can you strangle? Before you realise it's a bad idea, I would imagine it's quite a sobering experience to strangle pigeons. I don't think it'd be much fun. That would be a very different ending to Home Alone 2, Lost in New York, if fucking Kevin strangled all the pigeons. (laughs) Also, he did it so needlessly because straight after he struggled with the pigeons, I thought that was to teach them a, a lesson. He went to the owner's house, crept in the window, and then poured flammable liquid on the woman in her bed, and then set it alight. And she went up in flames, um, ran out into the street, collapsed, and then died in hospital after a coma. How is he so good at creeping? So no one suspected him or arson, despite the dead pigeons. Like, someone must have had smelled a rat there. You'd all be pissed off with the woman that had a loft of pigeons. But how many random fires were suddenly happening in this area? But I have a theory about this. Because at that time... Chip pans! Everyone's eating chips. Oh, yeah. I was thinking it was the crying boy painting that everyone blamed for house fires in the 70s. What? Do you know nothing about this? No, but it sounds scary. I don't like scary things. No, there was that picture of the crying boy and then everyone had fires, but the painting survived. And they thought, what, it must be the painting that's causing the fires. But it turned out they painted the painting with like a varnish that was fire retardant. So the painting kept surviving even after the fires. And everyone had that picture. So then they said it was blamed in the 70s. I can't believe you've never heard of this. No. Why would anyone want a picture of a crying child on the wall? Because that is the 70s. So, again, 
no one suspected arson. No one thought it was their fault. So, 18 months went by before the wait, next fire. No, wait, I can understand no one suspecting Peter Dinsdale, but no one suspecting arson. No. From a fire. But they thought it was just people being dicks and leaving stuff burning. But if the woman's like, yeah, I was in bed. Like, yeah, well, you were you, there, straight were you in bed though, love? Yeah, I went to sleep. I turned everything off. She's dead. Yeah, but, but you were drinking lighter fluid before bed. Like, how do they think this is happening? Yeah, but the whole room's bed. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So 18 months went by before the next fire. So in June 1976, Dinsdale went to the house of a seven-year-old girl that he was at school with, with learning difficulties. He went through the back door this time. So obviously their windows were shut, but he still got in. And he started a fire in a downstairs cupboard. Now, she lived with her grandmother and her one-year-old brother. The grandmother was awake. She was putting the child to bed when he got in. Um, and she managed to get the girl out, so the seven-year-old. But the one-year-old boy died. And again, people thought it was a terrible accident. So... No one suspected arson, and he was just getting away with this. So he's killed a number of people now, and no one has said shit to him. Um, the same year, Dinsdale went for personality test because people started to become concerned over his behaviour. And they started thinking, there's something weird about this kid. He's obviously detached from the world. He's not talking to people. He's not making friends. And they suggested that from the test, they realised that he had mental differences, but... It wasn't something in his brain, so it was his childhood that caused it. Right. So we can absolutely we can absolutely say that his Things horrific could have child, been different. yeah, his horrific childhood caused him to not engage with people in the same way that he should. So second of January, nineteen seventy seven, Dinsdale entered the house of a man who had hit him, and he went in through the back door. Uh, he went in and he found a cot downstairs. 
set fire straight next to it near the sofa, killed a six-month-old girl. And he was seen watching the fire, so he was linked to it. But again, loads of people were watching the fire. He's fucking toasting marshmallows at the side. But there were a lot of people watching. I mean, were they going to say all of them were guilty? They were all watching going, oh my goodness, there's a fire. He's just one of a crowd. He's nailing it in a very terrible way. Just three days after this, Dinsdale... He snuck through the cat flap of an old people's home. He went to an old people's home and he started a fire there. So he'd stolen a bicycle, cycled to the building, he broke into the home, he set it on fire. Eleven men died in the fire. Eleven men! This guy, how have we not heard of him? This is a lot of people and I'm not even done. Do you think it's... it's... It must be easier in a way. You light the fire. That's your action, don't yeah. it? If he's not sticking around to he's not, see yeah. that... Because being burnt to death is absolutely horrific. I can't even... I don't even want to see... N- no. But it's he can light the fire and run, can't he? So for him, in his head, he, could, he can't... He he's can, not he say- can completely detach yeah. from the murders, even. He's not saying, I'm going out to kill 11 people. He can watch the havoc that he's caused. He can see the fire brigade arriving and can know that everyone's freaking out. But he doesn't necessarily have to carry the guilt of a murder with him because he can just sort of pretend, well, he's not seen that part of it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he did say after this this murder um, that he... Well, he didn't say straight after. When he was interviewed later, he said that he had heard people saying, please help me. But he just stood there just watched the fire for a bit and then got off. But he was emotionally detached. He, I mean, he wanted to cause harm, but it is a sort of really detached way. I and mean, if he wanted just to fight fires, then he could just go to it and buy the Because he's breaking into houses and he's there with people sleeping. He's not messing with the people, you know, yeah. physically. He's not going in and smashing someone in the head. He's not going in... To suffocate yeah. someone. We've done a couple of people that suffocate. And to suffocate someone, you're right there in the murder. You're actually... Like, there's no way you can not know that what you're doing right now is killing them. You're yeah. fighting against it. Whereas to set the... Like, he's just sort of sneaking in and sneaking out. To him, it can even be seen as a joke still. Yeah, and also, he's got this, like, hidden identity that everyone's just treating him as this disabled kid. And he knows the front page of the news, that's him. Like, all the people... I, I imagine everyone around him was talking about it, saying, did you hear about that fire at the old people's home? How That's awful. That's got to give him a sense of power as well, knowing, like, oh, you're talking about me. Yeah. You don't even know. So, at this point, just after the fire, he moved in with a foster mother, and this was the best parent that he ever had, and the nearest thing to a mother he ever had. So that was in Hull. And she basically thought, this kid's quiet, this kid's lonely, but she had no idea. He had this double life going around... And he'd killed... Just put him to bed. Yeah. Step, like if, you, if someone had put him to bed, this wouldn't have happened. He'd killed 17 people by this point. The only thing you would have to do to stop him murdering is read him a bedtime story. That's it. Yeah. Get him to conk out and you're done. So she was by far the best mother he ever had. She was a good foster mother. But it was just... he'd He was so traumatised by this point that it was too late. Um... I mean, the good thing that came from that as well was that because he was living with her, he was out of the orphanage, he was out of his mother's place, and so he was away from a lot of his abusers as well. So then he was he was more safe than he'd been before. But he was so silent about his actions, it's not even like he opened up to her. She was a good 
mother to him, but he didn't, he never talked to her, he never talked to anyone about what he'd experienced and the abuse he'd gone through, and he was just shut off, and he was just done at this point, he was just, you know, psychopathic. Um, He became completely obsessed with Kung Fu as well, and Bruce Lee, and he became obsessed with being really strong, despite the disability, he'd fantasise about beating people up, about hurting people, and being like, oh, you thought I was nothing, and now I'm something, and I can take you out. So... In April 1977, he set another house on fire, and this time he killed a 13-year-old and a 7-year-old boy. And this was one of the most tragic ones, um, because the 7-year-old woke up first, and he made it out, and he got onto, he got out the window, and he got onto, like, the windowsill, and he could see the floor, and he could have easily jumped down, and he made that decision that he was going to go in after his older brother, and he went back in to save his brother, and they both died in the fire. Terrible. 1978, Dinsdale started setting fire just to random houses. So before he'd been targeting... Right, I'm getting fed up now. (laughs) Yeah, he's done enough. Just setting fires, like, it's been years. Get a new hobby. Yeah, he's still on it. So before he'd been targeting kids he went to school with, he'd basically been targeting happy families. And he'd been upset. Upset about the fact that they had happy families and he didn't. Mm. So... He just started, but at this point, he just started going for the randomers. So he just, he set fire to a completely random house. It had a young mother in, and she had a four-year-old, a five-year-old, and a baby. And all of them died in the fire. So he just, just randomly, they were just completely unlucky. They didn't have anything to do with Dinsdale, but they'd all died. Then he, um, during his teenage years, so he was about... 14 or 15 now. He dated two girls during his teenage years. How um, the fuck did he manage to date anyone? Well, I don't think he, he didn't even, even... He couldn't even talk to people. Strong, silent type. Smells of smoke. Yeah. Got a lot of marshmallows. Well, he dated one. That didn't work out. He dated the other. But in the course of these relationships, he tattooed both their names onto his arm. Goodness me. I mean, once you'd be like, oh, first love, tattoo that one on. Doesn't work out. He Maybe he'd regret from his that. Mistakes. Not at all. But it did say in the book that I was reading about him that actually that is quite common with people who had who have maybe attachment disorders and that they just get really obsessed and they're like trying to preserve the relationship i watched an episode of catfish yesterday where they said that they loved each other after four days and she's like well i just know him and then she met him she's like i don't know you i don't know you and i was like bitch we were telling you that from the start so he also changed his name from peter dinsdale to bruce george bernie mcpherson bruce george peter lee Oh, shit, that's even worse. Bruce Lee. Bruce George Peter Lee. So when he went on trial, he went on trial as Bruce Lee. He stayed Bruce Lee for the rest of his life. Um, But I'm still going to call him Dinsdale because that's ridiculous. He changed his name to Bruce Lee. I don't think Bruce Lee loved starting fires. Uh, Maybe that could have solved it. If Bruce Lee had have met him and said, look, Peter. Yeah, this is not what we do. There's another way. (laughs) Could have been it. So Dinsdale turned 16 at this point. And he was therefore too old to stay with his foster mother anymore. And this, I think this is often quite a problem because the foster system is set up for children. And actually, once they turn, I think it's 18 now, but the funding stops. And actually, for a foster carer to keep a child on, 
they've really got to have that emotional connection and want them in that house and like kind of be indebted to them. But because generally now people are living with their parents in like well into their yeah. mid-twenties. Like it's more common for someone to be 25 and living with their parents. Of course, yeah. So he was like 16, foster care was like money stopped on your bike and he just was left to his own devices and what happens is what often actually happens. He's just set fire to everything. No. <laughs> what happens is they go and they live with the abusive parent that they run, they were taken away from. And that happens all the time. Um, so he went back and he moved in with his mother. And she continued to be a terrible mother. He ended up sleeping rough some of the time or renting a room some of the time just to get away from her. But he did spend periods of time living with her. But again, it's the rejection all over again. It's those wounds again. So he earned money by working penning pigs at a meat market in his free time. They were some crafty pigs. Like, your job is to pen them. They're going to get out. They're going to have a lot of plans. You need to be on your guard at all times. Like, once the pen is there, what are you doing from that point onwards? Shutting the gate. In his free time, he would seek out sex with young men in public toilets. Some of the boys that Dinsdale was hooking up with would ask for money afterwards. So there was an element of abuse there. Um, they were quite vulnerable kids in the um, in the local area. Uh, one boy, Charlie, would regularly have sex with Dinsdale for money. And Dinsdale would pay him. Uh, but one time, Charlie took money without asking Dinsdale. So he forcibly removed money from his pockets. And Dinsdale was not okay with this. He went to the boy's house. He put rags and a match... Um, the rags were soaked with lighter fluid through the letterbox, put a match through. The family home burned down. The parents survived, but Charlie and his brother died in the fire. Um, and this time, the police were like, this is malicious. And they started inquiries. This is the first time that anyone worked out this was arson. He'd killed 25 people up to this point. 24. These were the last two, 26. So he wasn't questioned about the fires, but he was questioned later about the sexual activity that he had with the young boys, and he admitted that he had sex with Charlie. That's when you know you've done a lot of fires, when you'd rather admit to having sex with a child than admit that you've been setting fires. Like, shit, they're going to find out that I'm doing one every weekend. I'll have to admit to being a pedo. (laughs) That's never the best option unless you're absolutely caning it with the fires. (laughs) True. I mean, to be fair, I don't think... I don't think Charlie was a lot younger than him, but it still was questionable. So they later went back to him and they said, so you had sex with him, but this that was lit and he basically said didn't mean to kill them so he came straight out with it um he admitted starting the fire but he said uh, he didn't mention any of the other fires that he'd done so they knew they'd pinned him on this one fire i mean this was the start of his downfall this is where dinsdale started to lose it i would say the start of his downfall was probably his birth yeah pretty much so dinsdale was charged with murder and he was questioned about the other fires. At first, he was quite cagey about them. But actually, I think he quite liked the fact that the police were actually spending the time talking to him and having conversations with him. It's the first time anyone had really treated him as someone of interest before. And he did say 
you're the first person who's ever been interested in me. So he started to admit to the fires just because he wanted to carry on having these conversations. It's like the Thomas Quick yeah. scenario where he was like, people were praising me when I admitted to a murder. I would get a treat if I said that I had information about a murder that I had done, so why would I stop? Absolutely. And also, he told the police about his background and they felt really sorry for him. So I don't think they were horrible to him. I think they were actually quite nice and felt really bad for him because he'd he been through so such, young, such a terrible... Yeah, really young. Um, so he began to tell them about all the fires and... Uh, people did start to question it and say, well, maybe he didn't do them because he's admitting to them all, maybe this is just an attention thing. He's just saying, yeah, I did that one, yeah, I did that one. So then they started doing ride-alongs with him and they'd say, show us where the fires were. They did that with Thomas Quick too, Absolutely, and he loved it. He was out and about, they'd stop for a bite to eat, they were hanging out, and he felt almost normal, I think. And I think probably the policemen were quite young policemen as well, and he just felt like one of the gang. So he would take them around show them where the fires were, he told them all the details and there was no question that he was in fact responsible. So the police were partly horrified but partly felt incredibly sorry for Peter Dunstall. His trial was on the 28th of January 1981 and it only lasted a few hours because although he was charged with 26 counts of manslaughter and 10 counts of arson, he wasn't charged with murder but also... They they said there's some psychological stuff going on here and they just sent him instead to a uh, to Park Lane Special Hospital under the Mental Health Act. Mm-hmm. So he wasn't found guilty, he was just sent away. Now, at first he was happy with that, but then he began to think he probably would rather be in prison. So he withdrew his confession and he started making allegations that he'd been forced to confess. And they right. they looked at that... And there was no evidence of that. And actually he had written to the main sergeant and said, thank you for being so nice to me. So they said, well, I mean, that kind of goes against your story. Yeah, so why have you changed your tune now? Yeah, so it's totally thrown out. So he was just kept in a hospital and been moved around. Um, but he is still in there under the Mental Health Act. He's never got out. Um, and obviously he's killed 26 people. But in 2016, so last year... The story ran in the whole Daily Mail. And I'm surprised it wasn't national because, like, that's that's a big serial killer for the UK. But nobody seems to know about him. But also, this was pretty a pretty similar time to the Yorkshire Ripper. And so that took precedent right. in the press. And a lot of this was buried because of that. Do you think as well, because if it became so much more widely known that there would be a bit, that'd be so obvious that he was kind of slipped through the cracks a little bit. I think so. I, I think he's a, he's a product, isn't he? And partly, I think the idea that he was charged with manslaughter it wasn't such a sensation in the press as well with the trial. So they were like, "Ugh, manslaughter, not murder," because the trial was over so quickly. It didn't really hit the headlines in the same way. Um, but the Daily Mail did put a uh, the whole Daily Mail did put out that he was being allowed out on day release and how how terrible it was that actually he is allowed out with stuff now, given the types of things that he did. But it does mean if you live in Hull, you might be in the same cafe as him right now. That is the story of Peter Dinsdale. So thank you so much for listening to episode 28 of Slaughter. Sorry it was mostly me and not Emma, but she will be... But people don't like me anyway, so it doesn't really matter. (laughs)
<laughs> if you enjoy us, then you can rate, review, subscribe to us. You can do that on iTunes, you can do it on Stitcher, Podbean, Acast especially. Um, you can't review on Acast. You can listen to it on there, I think. Gobs. All of those things. You can get us on Twitter, at SlaughterThePod. You can get us on Gmail, slaughterthepodcast at gmail.com. You can get us on Facebook, Slaughter. <laughs> and you can also now get us on Instagram. Yes! I don't know how, I can't remember the name of it. Look for Slaughter on Instagram. And if you're really interested, you can also donate to the Patreon. There's lots of extra content up there, both audio and textual information for you. Thank you. And also, listening to Slaughter does not make you a psycho, but starting fires at random houses probably makes you a bit weird, but we still kind of feel bad for you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.